This is the MIBTOnline.com podcast featuring recordings from our weekly and monthly live streaming meetings. To see the videos discussed in the podcast and be part of the discussion, please consider joining our association at MIBTOnline.com. Now, here's the show. Tim Kiefer, MIBTOnline.com. Hey, welcome to our meeting, our Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central. We're here, and like I've said before, we're going to be here until at least May, probably, because we're going to try to continue to give that football education for all of our members of this great association. Uh, hopefully, you are enjoying the meetings, whether you're seeing them live or in the archive. That's what we do, on-demand training. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy it. We do live, like the live interaction, though, so you always know where to find us. 7 p.m. Central, right here on Wednesdays, uh, unless there's something. We'll let you know well in advance if we're taking a week off for whatever reason, but we're planning on being here for as long as we can. Maybe a couple holidays we'll, we'll take off and stuff like that. But uh, I want to welcome everybody in, and hopefully everybody's staying safe. If you're, if you're working, if you had a chance to work, hopefully you know, you're, you're uh, doing okay. And you know, hopefully we'll get Stan here later, but I know that, that Alabama is having some schools canceled now because of this, and you're hearing some other places across the country. So just be safe out there, whatever you do. And that's like, kind of like the new thing we say to one another, be safe. But we got a great presentation tonight. Hopefully you'll, you'll take something away from this. We're gonna start, before we go to the panel, we're going to start out with the PowerPoints. So I can kind of give you a run through of what we've got going on tonight. So uh, we're going to subs. That's what it is, subs. And I'm not talking Subway sandwich stuff, but even though I'd be good, I'm kind of hungry. Um, are, you a little, are you a little hungry there, Robert? You know, you say subs up there. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to talk subs tonight. All right, so here's a meeting agenda. Obviously, we're going to do some announcements. We're going to have the play of the week from last week, the timeout or penalty situation. We're going to talk about that. Play of the week for this week. Um, and call in and questions, we're going to have that as well. So it's kind of the, and in between the play of the week, we're going to actually go through our subs presentation. I don't know why I didn't get that in there, but uh, that's how the meeting's going to run. Some quick announcements. I always talk about this, okay? So here is the podcast. We've got that. We've got the Facebook page. Facebook changed their, their design, so good luck. Hopefully, you can find a Facebook page. If you're not already liking us, please do. Share it with your associations, your friends, whatever, because that's free. So is Twitter. So is YouTube. We put a lot of free stuff on YouTube. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of fun, so check it out. Now, here's the new thing apparel and gear okay we have new apparel and gear you know what and i'm gonna i'm gonna get out of the powerpoint here because i want everyone to see this this is important we're gonna go to the website so if you go to our website you're probably there now if you're watching it you'll see a new tab at the top and it says apparel click on apparel because guess what it's going to take you to our apparel center where you can buy these mibtonline.com shirts they come in all sizes, fashions. We've got different logos, different ways you can do it. So please go visit, visit our apparel. I want to thank Robert over there. Robert is the one who helped us out with all this. Robert, am I missing anything should, uh, that they need to know? Yeah, the thing that you need to know is it comes in many colors, white, gray, black, uh, red. And uh, like he said, it comes in multiple sizes, multiple designs. Even my wife was excited about some of those new unique signs, Under Armour, Nike, you name it, we've got it. So wear the brand proud. Thank you for being a member. And we hope that, uh, you know, you go out there and promote uh, our, our organization because that's what we want. We want officials just like you committed to learning and growing with us. And some high quality stuff too. Under Armour, Nike, you know, brand name, brand name stuff. It's, it's good 
uh, high quality materials and whatnot. So please, if you if you feel like you want to do it, do it. it. We have it. We've been asking. It's been a popular demand. People have been asking us for the shirts. So now we've given you the option, and hopefully you are able to uh, have a chance to go and get some some of that gear. So. Uh, the play of the week results, but before we go to the play of the week results, I want to run around the panel and say hi to everybody. So you already said hi to Robert, so we know Robert is here. He's monitoring the chat. Hopefully the chat's working. We, we got that you know fixed for it last week. Alex is doing a great job with all that, and he got, he's the one who got the apparel link up there too. So thank Alex for doing that today because you can now go buy shirts. So we know Robert's here looking at all the, the, the text and the chat. And now we're going to bring in, I think we got Mike Billick. Well, no, there's Bill. We'll start out with Bill Lamonte. Bill, how are you today? Life's good. Good to be here. Forward to talking some football. All right. And then I quick saw Stan there. Stan, oh, we got Stan now. Stan, <laughs> Stan, how you doing, man? I, I, I know uh, there's, they're canceling games now. What's up? Well, we're having some. We're canceling some. It just, you know, it just whichever way the wind blows. Uh, or the thunderstorms as we continue to have down here. So, uh, but hey, I'm still scheduled to have a middle school game tomorrow night, the varsity game Friday night. So we're rocking and rolling. All right. Hopefully, at least you don't have a hurricane coming your way. Right. People in Texas, they got they got to worry about that. And I think we also got uh, we got Mike Mike Billica with us. You know, we got the whole panel tonight. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, great to be here. Um, the weather was uh, autumnal today. It was a nice 75 degrees and low humidity, real dry. Great day for training with new officials. Oh, great. It was not that in the Chicago area. It was 95 and humid. So we were, uh, oh, there's Stan. Stan's back with us. So anyway, so we've got the panel. We've got the panel, and we're looking forward to a great, great meeting. So we'll go back to the PowerPoint and the play of the week results. So this is, the, this is our play of the week. So remember, from last week. It was, can a dead ball foul be changed to a charge timeout? And the results were pretty even. We had yes, 35. We had no, 42%. So that was the winner. And then the maybe, because this is a maybe, and we'll get into that in a minute. That was a, a viable option in this play. So um, some comments from the email, because I like the comments. You know, John Bosco said, kind of, he, he gave me a paragraph, but I'm kind of, Common sense. That was basic, uh, his basic theme. Uh, Mike, timeout. Give the timeout. Joe said no. No timeout. So how about that? We appreciate them commenting. Also some Twitter comments. Jim, you know, if you have the choice to give the timeout rather than flag foul, give the timeout. Okay. Gavin, I'll give the coach the benefit of the doubt if the time was or the timeout, I think, was really quick and, and the timeout versus the foul. Okay. Tristan, the player coming in and then leaving by rule is an illegal substitute substitution, but the coach calls a timeout just about when the coach or the sub crosses the sideline. If we're going to grant a timeout, then there's no foul. If we judge the snap occur, then it would be a foul and no timeout should be recognized. So I, I want everybody to remember that, that little uh, by rule, it's illegal substitution because we're going to talk a little bit about substitution tonight because substitution is, can, can get a little tricky in regards to some of the penalty enforcements and the rule rule itself. But let's go back to the, so, well, you know what, before I'm going to get out of this, we're going to go to the play. I need to show the play so that way we can dis discuss it. All right, so we'll get that play up here. And while we do that, all right, let's make sure we've got it. Um, all right, so here's the play again. 
and we'll go we'll go wide on the play right now and you'll see right now they've only got 10 in the game and the nice thing is is that I'm gonna highlight the referee you can see that the referee is is putting up that he's only got 10 he's signaling to his umpire that they only have 10 and now that the umpire gives it back to him that they only have 10 so that's good communication by both of these officials they are doing what they're supposed to do you know a lot of a lot of people do this for for 10 you know some might just put one out even though it's five it, it just it we know it's 10 you know this or this is usually good or, or sometimes this or this or some people do this meaning that they got 12 so there's a lot of different ways you can do it but it's just a matter of being on the same page with your crewmate whoever you're bouncing your count off of you want to make sure that you're consistent so that way you can communicate. But this is a good job by these guys communicating that they only have 10. So now we're going to go back and focus in up, on the, up by the, uh, the headlinesman, and you see the player comes in. So now the player comes in. He's, he's, is he in the formation? He's walking around, and then we've got, we've got a flag on the ground, and then because the ball was snapped and the, the, the sub wasn't in, he was still attempting to be a sub he wasn't replacing anybody nobody was leaving and the flag goes on the ground so here is where I think things can get a little interesting because when we you know going to the timeout giving the timeout is the easy way I mean that's what it, everybody seems to be okay with that you know let's just the majority of the people are like yeah let's just give them the timeout and be be done with it a lot of times where you'll see this is on a delay of game. So the coach will run call a timeout a second or a half second before the delay of game actually happened, and the back judge will throw his flag, but then the headlines when the line judge will come in and say, no, they got a timeout before the delay of game. This is a different case, though. The official actually had the flag out, and the flag is now on the ground, and now he's going to change it to a timeout. He has the flag on the ground. So... I don't know if that matters. I don't know if that, you know, obviously a lot of people, they, a lot of people use that, that uh, delay a game analogy. But I think this puts this one in a little different category because it's the official who actually threw the flag and now it's on the ground and now he's changing his own flag to a timeout. I'm going to start with Mike on this one. Mike, I don't know how you voted but, uh, or what you thought. I know a lot of times, like I just said, it's easy to, the easy road to go, go with the timeout. But is this one going to be a hard one to explain across the field? Now you got a flag on the ground. Um, the thing is, a timeout is more costly than a five-yard penalty almost every time. Um, you only get three in the half, and um, they are highly prized. Um, you know, you can make up five yards if you lose five yards a lot more easily than you can make up a lost timeout. So we feel that um, if a coach is willing to take that hit and give up a timeout, which is such a valuable commodity, we're going to grant it, even if the flag is on the ground. Um, that's what we've been told by our association, both at the high school and at the college level. So I, I automatically would go into this official and say, if we heard timeout at any point during that sequence, when the flag's in the air, even after it hits the ground, we're going to go timeout. Okay. Uh, I can understand that because that, like that's a good philosophy, and I don't necessarily disagree with that philosophy. I just sometimes I wonder if uh, if the flag is is on the ground and now it's like now it's the same guy. That's where I think that's what I was saying before. So you know I, I'm curious. You know Bill Bill Amanier, Bill, this is I I actually 
agree with the philosophy, and I think a lot of us do, because timeouts are important. But, I mean, if I, I, I got the flag is on the ground. When, when is that window closed? When, are you, when well, do we get to that point where now we just have to go with the foul? There's a difference if we're talking about that timeout being called uh, immediately or if the flags hit the ground and now he's making the request for the timeout, now it's too late. But, but I totally agree with Mike that, you know, and I've, I've talked with coaches when I used to do the team meetings in the Big Ten, and they, they'll be the first ones to tell you, hey, I want to see that coach burn a timeout. I don't care about the five yards, you know. I'd rather have him lose it so he only has two of them now to work with as we get into the late into the half. So, so that part of it's accurate there for philosophy. But again, the whole, the, you can make it look, even if that flag's at the ground, maybe he was running down there calling the timeout and the official didn't, didn't hear him, but had it realized maybe from the back judge or somebody else that, hey, that, if that, that guy was running down there, he, we should have granted him a timeout. So you can take your partner off the hook on that by recognizing the situation and uh, and helping them there. I mean, I hate to say it, but our last game uh, in my career at, at uh, Wisconsin, uh, we had a similar situation that the uh, Wisconsin came, coach came running down the sideline and, the, and it wasn't granted for a timeout. And looking back at it, you know, between the short wing and the deep wing, somebody should have granted that timeout. They only had 10 players. Uh, pass got thrown, uh, obviously, to the open receiver on offense. And, uh, you know, if Wisconsin would have been granted the timeout, they'd have been playing with 11 on defense instead of 10. So but uh, so that one was as much on us as it was on them for playing with 10. So. Mm-hmm. No, and I, like I said, I just try, you know, you want to try to make that, find that area where now it's too late. Because like you said, the flag's on the ground and there's, it's, a, it's a judgment thing, it's a philosophy thing, but ultimately at some point it does become a foul and you can't pull it back. You can't you know, say, all right, now we're going to go with the timeout. I, 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 I just wonder, I don't know if this, I wouldn't think you know, maybe this play falls in that category, but there, there, there are plays out there that do. So. Yeah, Stan, I think Stan had a con- wanted to make a well, comment. Well, okay, that. Stan. Stan's got a comment on this. Go ahead, Stan. When did the foul occur? It occurred when the player crossed the line. It didn't occur when the official dropped the flag. That's a delayed reaction to identify the foul. The coach, knowing the foul occurred, prompted him to call the timeout, hoping to get out of the foul, potentially. My question is, did this official allow the timeout and pick up the flag, or did he do, as I had an official one time, do the flag and charge the timeout? Wow. <laughs> oh, that's a double whammy. That's a double whammy. Uh, Mike, Mike's laughing on that one. All right, so let's go back to the, go back to the play. And you know, to, to Stan's point, I mean, that's a good point, Stan. But I want, we're going to focus in on this coach right here. Now, I don't know if he's the head coach. I'm not going to, not going to worry about it right now. We're going to just focus in on, on him for a, a moment. And you're going to see the player and, and what's going on. Now, let's want to watch him right now. 
He's calling timeout right now. You see him looking at the official, and he's got his hand down here. He's calling that timeout. It appears that he is calling that timeout right now. Nothing has happened on the field yet. So the ball hasn't been snapped. This guy's still trying to figure out what he's doing, if he's going to be in the game or not. The ball is still, you know, the center still has the ball. So now, does the official recognize a timeout? Is he still contemplating in his head what's going on because he's got a player in front of him? Because I think he throws the flag for an illegal substitution. And we're going to talk about this because that's why we're going to talk about subs today. Because when is this a foul? And what type of foul is it? So we're going to get into that in a minute. But to your point, Stan, I think the guy was calling timeout before anything technically illegal happened. And we'll break it down and we'll come back to you if, if it kind of falls into that category. I'm going to throw it over to Robert here, though, because I'm sure he's got some, something to add. And I'm sure he's also there's some stuff going on in the chat or, or maybe not. Rob, go ahead, Robert. Yes, I, I do have something to add. You know, watching that wing official, he did something right. He opened his body up. You could tell he did a, almost a 45 angle, which is appropriate to let the coach know, hey, coach, you only have 10 out here. And in uh, a, a good best practice as a wing official is, uh, do you want to buy one here? Do you want a timeout here, coach? And that best practice reminds yourself as an official, he may be calling a timeout in this situation, so you don't need to be quick draw McGraw with the flag and, uh, and put yourself in this schnookered position like he did. But uh, he did do something right. He did look like he was opening up to the coach. The coach obviously was signaling the timeout. Uh, for some reason, though, this uh, official decided to pull the flag out uh, prematurely, and that just put him in a precarious position. Now, had that happened on the other side, this is the last comment I want to make. You know, I've seen officials on the opposite wing throw a flag, and then the, the uh, official on the opposite side say, no, my coach wants a timeout, and that's, that's fine. That's perfect crew communication. The team calls a timeout with the crewmate throwing a flag, not an issue. But I had never seen a, one official throw the flag and then follow it up with a timeout. That, that's a first case for me to see. Right, and it just it, it's, goes back to us talking about on our flags, you know, take a second to take a second look because you can always throw the flag, you know, late flag. You know, we talk about the late flag. Yeah, it's a late flag, but if it's a foul, it's a foul. If it's a foul now, it'll be a foul 10 seconds from now or five seconds from now. Take that time. I think if he would have just taken an extra second, then, I mean, obviously he was going to call a dead, a dead ball foul. But we're going we're gonna to get into this because substitution is, is not as easy as it should seem, basically, especially in high school because there are different rules for different levels. You know, college has one way. High school has a different. NFL has even different ways. So I want to break down what the substitution definition is. It's right out of, right of 232.15. What is the definition of a substitute? A substitute becomes a player when he enters the field and communicates with a teammate or official, enters the huddle, or enters the formation. Okay, so remember, that is a substitute. That is when they're defined as a substitute, when one of those three things happen. So we're going to go back to the play. Let's go wide on the play and... We're going to watch this. So I want you guys all know where we're looking. All right. So we're going to watch the play and you're going to see, you have to ask yourself the question. Is he, oops, it, okay. It's going to start over again. Here we go. All right. So you have to ask yourself the question now, is the player in the formation? Has he communicated with a teammate or another or, or an official or has he entered the huddle? 
Well, he's never, he's definitely not enter the huddle. You can make, I guess you can kind of make an argument, but he's not really, oops, let's go back. He's not really in the formation right now. He is, he's kind of looking to be in the formation. He's attempting to be in the formation, but he's not, he's still kind of moving around. Did he ever get set? Did he ever get, did he talk to the player? Or did he talk to the official? So that's the question. Was he truly a substitute? You might, we're not there. We didn't hear the dialogue. We don't know if, that, if he communicated. If you think that little split second stop was in the formation, he never actually got within the numbers. So is he in the formation? Because he's in a legal position of the formation. So that opens that up. Is he a substitute? That's your first question. You have to make that determination if this player is a substitute. So moving on on the PowerPoint, you'll see why this is important. Because the illegal substitution penalty enforcement. So if a player attempts to leave but does not make it off before the snap, then the foul occurs simultaneous with the snap. So the player attempts to leave but does not make so that, but he's not a substitute yet. He's, he's trying to be a substitute. But maybe you could say that that happened. He's on the field. He's trying to make it off. He's not the 12th player. He's a substitute. He might be attempting to, to leave, but was he a replaced player? You know, that's the other thing you have to look at too. So that's something to consider. Was he, you know, the foul does occur simultaneous with the snap. The same thing, and this is a previous spot enforcement, five yards. Because if you go to the penalty enforcement, fouls that occur simultaneous with the snap are previous spot. It's right out of rule 10. So now, the, play, the replaced player, if you have a replaced player who does not leave within three seconds. So that's another one in there. This is a dead ball foul. This is where if, if somebody runs out and they don't replace the other person, then we're going dead ball foul with this, five yards. If a replaced player goes off on the wrong side of the field or the end line during the down, so the down has started and now they run off, this is a live ball foul. Okay, and it's a five-yard penalty. It's a basic spot enforcement. So result, who did this? Who ran off? Was it defense? Was it offense? There are, this is a basic spot enforcement if it happens during the play. This is not one that is considered to happen simultaneous with the snap. This is just a simple basic spot enforcement in regards to when this fall happens during the play. Uh, if, if I have a guy run off or is this an illegal substitute, because if we start getting into this area of now the replaced player goes off um, the wrong side prior to the snap. Prior to the snap, it's a dead ball foul. Okay, that's simple. If the snap hasn't happened and somebody runs off the wrong side or out the end line, it's a dead ball foul. Five yards. Now, if a substitute enters on the wrong side of the neutral zone and the ball is snapped, so this one might have fallen into that. If he's on the wrong side of the neutral zone, then the foul occurs simultaneous with the snap. So that's one of those where we go back to the previous spot and it's a five yard penalty. Okay, so, so if, if the player has, is trying to be a substitute, he gets in, but he doesn't get on the right side of the, of the neutral zone, it's a live ball foul. It's not a dead ball foul because the foul occurs simultaneous with the snap and it's a previous spot foul because he has the opportunity to become legal. It's not encroachment, it's not a false start, it's an illegal substitution that occurs simultaneous with the snap. On this play, that, if that player was on the other side, we'll go back to the play after we go through all this just to kind of walk through it. 
But if that player was on the other side, it's a live ball foul. It's not a dead ball foul. Occurs simultaneously with the snap. If the, now, if the player participates, now we elevate it to a live ball illegal participation foul. So now we take away that occurs simultaneously with the snap, and now we have a, a live ball illegal participation foul. But this one is, is enforced because it just depends on how many players are on the field. If this is an illegal substitute, this can be a basic spot enforcement, but this can also be, if you've got the 12th player, if you start out with illegal participation, you have 12 players on the field, that's a, that's a previous spot enforcement. If the player runs out or participates, now it's a succeeding spot enforcement. So it's kind of, it's kind of a goofy rule in regards to that. So like, here's another one. If a player enters the field during the down but does not participate, okay, which I don't know how that can happen. Let's say they, they, they step out and come back. You, they really have to not participate. If they have any effect on the play at all, it becomes illegal participation. But if they go out there as an illegal substitute, don't participate, come back, now it's a five yards, and it's a succeeding spot foul. So we go to the succeeding spot. And I, I'm, I hopefully I'm not confusing. I try to break this up so that way it kind of goes in order of succession. Hopefully I'm not confusing anybody because we have – that's why I wanted to go over it because the penalty enforcement for this is weird. It's different. It's one of those where, you know, Bill Lamagna and I have talked about many times how football is the most complicated game there is to officiate. And this is why, because it goes back and forth. Is this a succeeding spot? Is it a previous spot foul? But you have to know that. Go, you, there's a case book. If you go to the case book, it's outlined in there specifically. All these are outlined. So you can see exactly how they're enforced. But some of them aren't very clear. They just say, it's a live ball foul. So then you have to go revert to penalty enforcement and say it's a basic spot enforcement. So before we jump, jump to the video, I want to jump to Mike. I want to go, go to Mike uh, real quick. You know, Mike, substitution like this and these different enforcements, depending on when they happen, that's why it's important to communicate because they do have different penalty enforcement options. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we had a philosophy in our high school association for a while that if a player fails to leave the field under any circumstances before the snap, it's illegal participation. And that was a bit at odds with the uh, Federation rulebook. And they wanted to remove that ambiguity that you're talking about, because there is ambiguity here about what does it mean to participate? So I think in this case, we have a clear example of a player who never participated, but I think it's pretty clear that this substitute became a player when the defense started pointing at him and gesturing at him that, oh, what's this guy doing? Who's this guy? So, um, you know, we can use our judgment and we can call this one a live ball foul. Um, you know, as far as, a, as far as a dead ball foul goes, I'm glad that our association abolished and got rid of that interpretation because I think we all know what the free play looks like, you know, where the quarterback throws the bomb down the field because the defense couldn't get off the field in time. We need to let those plays happen. So I think we should remember our common sense here and try not to complicate by getting too deep into the weeds. Well, and that's true. Common sense always works out real well when you can, when you can apply it. Um, go back to the play. So this is our play of the week and kind of breaking down. Now that we've broken down the, the rule a little bit, you're going to see when the player comes in, he's on the wrong side of the neutral zone. Now he gets on the right side of the neutral zone, but I ultimately – Mike's saying, well, once the defense starts pointing, he can probably be considered a player. I still don't consider him a player yet because he's still moving. So now if he's trying to get off 
And so, because he never got in. So now if the ball is snapped, it becomes a live ball foul. This is a live ball foul because, but occurs simultaneous with the snap. So it's a previous spot enforcement. Now we don't have a foul. We end up going with the timeout. So I don't know. That's the other thing is that if you're the official hanging on to your flag just for a second longer, because this is a live ball foul. I mean, maybe we forgot. Maybe we said, well, this looks like, because it smells like it, it, you know, it smells like it, it looks like it, it feels like it. Usually you're right in your instincts and say this is a dead ball foul. But in this case, if he's on the wrong side and he's still a substitute, he's still attempting to be a substitute, then, it, then it's a live ball. I saw Robert over there. I, I know he's got something on this. Well, there were some comments by uh, the viewers that I, I'm, I'm going to bring up because they're valid points. And, and one is, um, one wanted is just clarification on why this is not a false start. And you can answer that, Tim. It's going to be quick to answer that. And also just dealing with inside the nines, you know, uh, momentarily. Those are just a couple of points that these viewers are bringing up that they want clarification on. Well, that's great because we'll go back, go wide on the play. Now, it's not a false start just because of what I said, because he's not a player yet. And, you know, if Mike said, well, maybe he is, fine. If he, Mike thinks he's a player and then he gets set, he believes that right now he's set long enough and he hasn't got, now he moves. Now that's a false start. Yeah, that's judgment. If you think that that, that, that momentary pause was enough. Now he hasn't gotten in the nines, but we'll get to that in a second. I want to just address the false start. If you think that momentary pause was enough and now he's moving forward, yeah, that's a false start. But I don't think that's what they were going to rule here. Until He can't false start until he's a player. Mm -hmm. And so that's the most important thing to remember. If you consider him a player, then he can false start because he did get on the proper side of the neutral zone. If he's not a player yet, he can't false start. So that's important. Now, to the nine-yard marks, that's a different penalty altogether. That's an illegal formation penalty. And it's a five-yard penalty. That is also a live ball foul that occurs simultaneous with the snap because until the ball is snapped, they have every opportunity to get into those nine yards. So it doesn't become a penalty until the ball is snapped. So we're going to let that go, go, go. Once the ball is snapped, he hasn't gotten inside the nines. Boom, we're going we're gonna to throw it. Now, we could go through, we're going to, I'll tell you what, we'll do a whole presentation on this later because there's a lot of philosophy and there's a lot of idiosyncrasies with that rule that I just don't want to throw it out and say it's because it's, it seems like it should be black and white, but it's not. There's a lot of ways we can tweak this. There's a lot of ways where we don't want to over-officiate it. But to answer that question specifically, that never happened here because something else happened first. Um, I see Robert's hands in there. Tim, I don't know how deep you want to go with this discussion, but I do have a viewer that has a question. And that is, do you ever walk the player inside the nines to get them legal? Or do you just let them, and, and they're not being competitively matched up, or, so are you saving them so they're not committing a foul? Or do you not save them and let the foul commit because you know it's going to be a legal participation because it's almost like a hideout play? What's your view on that? <laughs> well, you know what? That's what I want to talk about next time because we seriously i don't want i want to keep this with the substitution discussion and i'm not trying to sidestep the question but that is a great that whole thing we can go we can talk an hour probably about that because there's a lot of philosophy in regards to the hideout play and how you handle that and can you walk the player in i love the question we're gonna i'll tell you what, we'll, we'll talk about that next week you just gave me an assignment i gotta go find nine yard film now so but that's okay we'll we'll put that we'll go through we'll break that all down next week um, so we can kind of get in the woods on that one. I don't want to get in the woods there now. But I do want to go to Bill real quick. Bill, 
you know, to Mike's point, Mike said he thought he was a player enough. There's people, you know, we can't have that illegal, uh, we can't have that false start until he's a player. Do you think that momentary pause was enough for you? Yeah, let, I want to go back first and clarify something because I know it was just a slip on your part. The first couple times we were referring to this, you were you were asking the question if he had become a substitute yet. And you, I think you really meant to say, had he become a player yet? And I, I think you kind of got that straightened out as we moved on. But I wanted to clarify that. He is a substitute, period. I mean, you know, he's, he's, when he's coming in off the side, he's a substitute. So the question is, does he establish as a player? You know, we've got that official who you said, hey, did a nice job. He's turning and opening up to that coach on the sideline. I think now he's got the coach in one peripheral. He's got this this substitute, so to speak, uh, in the peripheral in the off his left side. Uh, now all of a sudden this player comes across his field division. He's in the neutral zone. Uh, he He's just – I think the whole flag went down strictly because – he thought he had an offensive player in the neutral zone. And it, was, it wasn't even related to substitution purposes. But, but is he, is, would I classify this guy as a player? Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I'd classify this guy as a player. Well, then there you go. Because then you, had that, you thought that pause was enough. I don't, I don't think it was. I think, I think he I, got in the formation. What was that now? He got in the formation. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think he tried to get in the formation, but I don't think he succeeded personally. Well, he might not be very good at it, but he did it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I, I, I still <laughs> have him. And you, you know, is, is this is a good flag to pick up? Period. And just no, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree with the flag pickup. That's not what we're discussing here. We're discussing if the flag, if they don't have the timeout, if the flag happens. Um. If the flag happens and this this play goes, what foul is it? What type of foul is it? And so you both you and Mike are going to go with a false start. I don't know if I'm no. going with a false start yet because <laughs> I don't know if he's a player yet. The meeting is and locked. Personally. No other attendees may join. Uh oh, well, we, had, we had something happened, but uh, I heard some I heard some background noise. Um, so anyway, so that's that's that play. And any last comments, Robert, real quick. No, we're great, Tim. We're going to move forward. All right. Let's, we're going to go to more film. I got more substitution film. I'm going to check with Alex. Did we lose everybody? No, we have everybody. Okay. I was just seeing it keeps switching. Oh, oh okay. I'm like, that's interesting. It's, uh, the, the Internet's going wacky today. All right. So I was wondering why that was go what was going on there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, it's probably – I know what it probably is, but that's okay. All right. So we'll go to our next play. We'll go wide on it. And so now we're not, we don't, unfortunately, we don't see the beginning of this, where this substitute, you know, was the three second rule violated. But ultimately, I'm showing this play because if we count our players, we've got one, we got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So now we've got, we've got 12 out on the field. We know that for sure. So how long is how how long is long enough? The rule book says three seconds. You could tell this player is a little bit confused, and now he runs off. The way the way the interpretation of this rule should be is is I go to Robert, and I'm the I'm the substitute trying to become a player, to make sure we're all on the same page. 
I'm the substitute trying to become a player. And I go and I talk to Robert and I say, Robert, I'm in for you. Okay, Robert has three seconds to respond to that and leave. Three seconds is a long time. It's important to remember that nowhere in the high school rule book does it say 12 in the huddle is illegal. It says three seconds. Okay, so if I go in the huddle and I'm in there for three seconds and nobody leaves, that's a foul. If I go in the huddle and we got 12 in the huddle and I told, tell Robert to leave and Robert leaves, that's not a foul in high school football. And you're going to hear coaches scream about that one, but it's not in high school football. The rule says I got three seconds and three seconds is a long time. So like I said, we saw the play at the end. We didn't see when the, when the actual substitute came in to replace this player, but as long as he's moving towards the sideline, then he is now the replaced player and has the opportunity to leave. That's important. 12 in the formation, that's, that's not a high school rule either. If I have 12 in the formation and nobody leaves in three seconds, boom, that's a dead ball, illegal substitution. We talked about that earlier. So, Robert, I know, you know as a back judge, we'll, we'll get to the defense in a minute because this was the offense, but when you work the line of scrimmage and stuff like that, I'm sure you probably heard that from coaches. Hey, there's 12 in the huddle, right? Yes, at least once a season, if not multiple times during the season. And, and coaches must be getting that from the TV at different levels. But uh, just have to remind them that uh, that does not apply. And, uh, and, and you have a nice civil conversation because it is a bona fide question or, or complaint that coaches have, and they just don't understand it. So give them time, give them a good explanation, and move forward. So that's important to remember. There, 12 and huddle is not a high school rule. And the high school rule is, is, is the three seconds. So we're going to bring up our, our, our next play here. And this is, a, a, this is an interesting one because this is also, this falls into that timeout. We'll go wide on it. This falls into that, that timeout. Does it, do we have a timeout? Do we not? Now, if you count, I'm not going to go through it, but both players have the illegal amounts of, the illegal amount of players in the game. But what, what ends up happening here, and this is one of those times where when we were talking about, you know, getting that recognition from the coach and being able to shut this down as soon as we get that recognition and you know, having that game awareness of if they want a timeout, you know, maybe they can tell there's some confusion and be ready for that timeout because this is the type of stuff that can happen. If you go wide, you'll see they're trying to, you know, there's some confusion and then you'll see coach, coach right here, he's asking for the timeout. And you know, there's, there's plenty of time, there's nothing going on and now, the ball is snapped. And you see the official up there, he puts a whistle in his mouth because he didn't have it in his mouth. So he puts it in his mouth to recognize the timeout, which is fine. But what happens later is look what happens over here. We're going to show, watch that area right there because by letting a play go sometimes, then you get that little, little extracurricular stuff. Now, by no means am I putting this on the officials at all, but it's something to be aware of. They did flag this, by the way. It's something to be aware of if we are late with getting those timeouts and maybe you know, not having that game awareness of, hey, they may want a timeout and being ready for it, whether it's at the end of the, you know, end of the half or whether it's a situation where you know there's confusion. If you're that wing official, be ready to uh, call that timeout. So we'll bring up, uh, bring up the next play. But uh, first, I'm gonna, I want to throw it back to, to Bill real quick. Hopefully, uh, things are going to jump around on us. But Bill... You know, going back to the, to the first play a little bit about, you know, talking about 
that three second compared to 12 in the huddle. I mean, that's a college rule. We've, we've said that. And I know that's how, when you work, that's, you know, that was a high school or a college thing, but I'm sure you've probably found, found from time to time that that the rules can kind of, kind of, you know, get rule creep, code creep. Coaches, you know, don't understand that that's not necessarily a foul. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad you pointed that out because if I were out working a high school game tomorrow, I, I, I would have a problem with that. Um, <laughs> the key thing is, is that my response to a coach, if I know the rule, would just simply be, Coach, you're absolutely right. There were 12 in the huddle. However, it's not a foul. <laughs> it's not a foul today. It's uh, on yeah, Saturday. Coach is right once in a while. <laughs> yeah, they are right once in a while. Every once in a while they are. Um, so, all right, let's go, let's go to our, our next play, and we're going to go wide on it. And so now this is one of those – I'm really looking forward to discussing this one. All right, so you see the, they come in and they rule – They've got the defense, the legal substitution. I'll play it again. It's one kind of quick. You'll see that it's just a, here comes a, the back judge or one of the deep officials. They're ruling illegal substitution. And they're coming in, and you're going to see our referee. He's going to rule illegal substitution right now. But let's back it up and see what we got here. So let's count some helmets. All right, so we've got one, two three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, oh, no. eleven. Um, last time I checked, we can, we can play with eleven. I'm not trying to be, be critical, but there was two people back there counting this, and they counted uh, twelve, and they threw it and they killed it, and that's what ends up happening. And now I want to, we're going to go back wide on it real quick because I want to show you right at the end. I want you to watch this official here first because it's just going to be right at the end. And then this official after that, it's going to happen quick because they, they do cut off the film. But just watch them, what they do. See, now you'll see that official. Now he's, look, he's counting. Look at his head moving around. He's counting. And now they're, oh, now they're both counting again because I'm sure the players are saying, wait a minute, we only have 11 out here. What's the deal? So, Robert, you're back, Judge. Uh, this is, one, has this ever happened to you? And two, how do we prevent this from happening? Well, you know, I've worked so many games that it has happened to me, unfortunately, where I've thrown my flag, especially on a quick uh, uh, line change of players, and you do a, a count, and... And you, and you want to go real quick to your crewmate to say, I got 11, no, I got 10, I got 11, I got 12. And then before you know it, the, the snap is imminent and you throw your flag and then you just recount to make sure you got it right. Is it wrong to do that? Well, as long as you do it once in your career and you can say you've done it, then that's plenty. <laughs> but uh, to, to answer your question, that's why you have a crewmate there to confirm your count. And with the radios, that certainly helps as well to confirm you have your count correct. So that's important. Try to get the count right because now we killed it. Now it's kind of hard to, I mean, we can just pick up the flag and wave it off, but then we kind of look, I mean, that's one of those where we got the egg in the face. We're now, we're just opening up the criticism. We can't even count to 11. Stan, being a referee, you count the offense all the time. Have you ever miscounted? Have you ever caught, you know, thrown a flag for 11 when, it's, when you're thinking you're throwing for 12? Um, you ever heard of the Fifth Amendment? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, um, 
I've come real close. I've done the old throw the flag, old fixing my hair kind of thing. But uh, we had this in my game Friday night. My back judge uh, miscount, no, my umpire miscounted and stopped the play. Luckily, we were right in the middle of the field, no drive. It didn't kill the momentum, but it does it it, it does look look sort of sort of bad to do it. But um, yeah, so I got the old wave the flag off. Um, opportunity but i'm thinking you know also first game out of the season we're still trying to figure out how to count so well bill you know one of the things that this happened you know we we talk about complacency or what why do you think this happens when you've got two people counting and now we throw a flag when there's really only 11 out there focus well the the key one is is that people are counting and you know, we're going to make a mistake here and there, hopefully not too often, trying to count to 11 or 12. But um, at least people are counting. The complacency really comes in from the standpoint of people who don't count. If you're not counting religiously on every, you know, on every play, uh, that's when you're setting yourself up for failure. And it'd be a lot worse to miss 12 out there uh, and they intercept the pass and, and return it for a, a touchdown on the defense, or if it's team A, they get away with a long pass and score a touchdown. Uh, that's going to be a tough one to, to justify. But you put a flag down and you get it corrected, hey, you know, you did what was right. You know, bear down, figure out why you why you had 12 when it was really 11, um, and, and move on from there. But uh, I don't have a problem with the fact that the, they were counting and they got it corrected. Well, they when the, I I'm assuming because we the film did clip off. I'm assuming that they did count it and then say, okay, we got to pick that one up. And now we just look we just look bad today, and we at least we get it right. And you're you're right. There's a lot of times because because you're gonna this this play will go over a little bit easier than if we let them play with 12 because that's a, an advantage and that's that can change games. So I would agree that that at least they were counting. Unfortunately, they just got the wrong count. So. We're going to go to the play of the week here in a second, but I want to throw it over to Robert and just, uh, is there anything that, that we missed or anything that came up? What do you got, Robert? Uh, we do have a lot of comments, but you know, they're all positive. So they're enjoying this discussion, Tim, and uh, nothing pertinent where we have to stop the discussion and moving forward to the next play. So thank you. All right. Well, that, that's uh, kind of our meeting for tonight on those plays. And like I said, substitution, go get in that rule book and look at the substitution rule and look at the case book and you can see exactly what we're talking about. Or you can go back and watch this you know, on, on demand later and, and hear our discussion again. So we're going to throw up, uh, we're going to go to the play of the week for this week. But before we do that, I want to throw up the call-in line. The call-in line is up and ready to go. So uh, that's it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything, this is open, open mic Call us. Talk about what you want to talk about. Ask the questions. We'll discuss them. We'll bring you in. This is like the, you know, that that sports talk radio type of a of a model. So go ahead and call. That's the number 402-256-MIBT or 6428 down there at the bottom. The uh, the phone lines are up and running. Hopefully they are working tonight. You know we've had a little bit of issues, but I, I think they're up and running. So give us a call and then we'll be able to get, you know, you'll go on. So it's important because you'll go in the queue and you'll get to hear us. When you hear me talking, and that doesn't mean you're on the air yet, but when you hear a beep, that means you're on the air. Do us a favor and turn down the volume on your video 
whichever you're watching so that way we don't get the feedback, you know, that, that stuff. So we're going to go to the PowerPoint and we'll do our play of the week for this week. We'll get that PowerPoint up and it's ready to go. So, so now it's time for our, let me try that again. So now it's time for our MIB Town Line play of the week for this week for August 26th. So here it is. We'll go wide on it and we'll, we'll take the number down now. We'll put the number back up when we're done with the play. So uh, here is the play. It's going to be a pass play and you're going to focus in on the bottom, the, the receiver on the bottom of the screen. So as here it goes, here's the play. And now you see this. Okay. There you go. You got a little bit of action there. We're going to run it again, and then I'll have the question for you. So you're watching that receiver on the bottom. This is the play of the week for this week. We're going to have the pull up on Twitter. Here he goes. Now we're going to run this. There, there it is. So there's the play. Okay. So now, play of the week. Is this defensive pass interference? Real simple. Yes or no? Real simple. On Twitter, at officially speak. Or you can email, if you don't have Twitter, Tim and MIBT Media. That is our play of the week. So it's real simple. A yes or a no. Is this defensive pass interference? So here are the open phone lines. Let's go back to the phone lines and see if we got anybody who's, who's on the phone lines this week. And no, nobody's calling in. So uh, that's okay, though, because I'm going to go back here real quick and look and see what we got. Let's see... Uh, I, I forgot to tell the winner for this week, and the winner for our, our giveaway for our, the 2019 Lemonnier DVD and the shirt for commenting is uh, Joe Makowski. So, Joe, you're the winner this week. I, got, I think I have your address, but we got to get you your T-shirt, your MIBT Media T-shirt, and your DVD from 2019, Bill Lemonnier's Best Practices. Keep commenting. I only have so many people. I didn't have a lot of people comment this week. So eventually everyone's going to win because, uh, you know, the more people comment, the, you know, we pull in, whoop, pull a hat. So, and you can't, I mean, I guess you can win twice, but why would you want a, two copies of the DVD and a two, two shirts? Maybe you would want two shirts. Maybe we'll send you, we'll send you another shirt if you, if you win twice. All right. Still nobody's calling in. So I guess everybody doesn't want to talk. Maybe it's not working. I think, I know it took a little bit. I'm showing it though, that, that it is working. So, uh, uh, hopefully, you know, and then Bill, we'll go back to Bill real quick. Bill called in, in last time and he's like, Hey, it's not, it's not working. Maybe we have a, how many people that we have watching live, Robert? 19, 19. So all 19, nobody wants to say anything. Everybody's just enjoying me talk. I guess Bill, you know, Bill, you called in last time and you're like, Hey, it's uh, it didn't work at first, but then it did work. Well, it did then. Yeah. So, but I was just testing it out. You know, I figured sometimes we're trying to get your attention so that you can bring us in to talk and, and you don't know, catch it right away. So I thought maybe calling in might be a way. Oh, that's a good, that's a good way. <laughs> Did I, I mean, yeah, I just, speaking of that, um, Bill and I were on uh, this week on Monday night with the Iowa Central Athletic Officials Association. And that was a great time. We, we enjoyed it. We had a good, we had a good time uh, talking with that group. Is that correct, Bill? It was. It was a great time. Not as good a time as it was about five years ago when I actually went out there to their dinner and uh, had a great, great dinner with the group out there and spoke with them and, and had a great time. So, But it was good to see a lot of good old friends. All right. Well, we got somebody uh, on the line. So let's, uh, let's see who we got here. Um, we're gonna... All right. So from the 312 area code, I think you got a 342 prefix. Tell me your name and uh, where you're calling from. 
Oh, I guess I can't hear. I guess I got to unmute. That, that would help. All right, let's try this. Uh, you know, if you're uh, on the line, you're from the 312 area code, 342 prefix. Tell me your name and where you come from. Hey, Joe, you just won. You just won, Joe. Joe, that's a great point. I think uh, also, you know, once again, congratulations, you're the winner. I think I got your address, but uh, email me your address so I can get you, get you your stuff. But uh, I, I, I agree, when you've got the mass exits back and forth, that's the most difficult time to count. People are in different positions. You're further back as a back judge sometimes. Even as an umpire or as a referee, you're, you're further back. So you are right, those are tough times to count. Robert, when you are working as a back judge, and you've got the you know the mass exit substitution on those plays. What is what are some techniques you use to to try to get the count right? Yeah, I, I go with secondary players because they're nearest to me. I count them first, and I go interior uh, middle linebackers. So I go second level, and then I go to the line, and uh, and then I yell out my number so that my uh, partner, my crewmate, can confirm that we have eleven. Uh, I just want to throw out a compliment to Jeff Rutledge. We were working a game at uh, uh, back in Orland Park where. I said, hey, I got 12, and Jeff says, I got 13. So that was easy. We went up in unison with flags, and when we went to the video, there was actually 14 on the field. So uh, that, that, was, that's a, <laughs> that was just a fortunate outcome on that play. On that play. There you go. Well, well the, <laughs> 14, how about it? That's, uh, that's one of those things. We did have a caller. He just, they just dropped off. We had, a, we had a caller who called in, and I was going to go to him, and then they, they dropped off. So uh, they were from – I think they were from – Arizona, maybe I don't know, but uh, we'll give them a chance to call back if they uh, wanted to wanted to call back, and we'll uh, we'll call this a, a day here in a moment or two. So, Stan, give me some highlights from uh, Alabama in regards to how it went with you guys down there and what you heard around you know around about in and just from people around the state how things went uh, the first week. From an officiating standpoint and the play, um, everything went fine. Uh, we had several officials that chose to sort of utilize the, the gator uh, look. Uh, one of the, my uh, short wing on my crew utilized the uh, electronic whistle. It was not as loud as your regular whistle. Uh, so it was a little on a muffled side. We were a little surprised by that. Uh, we could hear it as well, but the visiting coach, um, when he was on the line judge side, the visiting coach uh, uh, had a hard time uh, hearing the whistle over there, especially when the bands are playing. Um, so on the field, everything was fine. The one captain, uh, you know, per at the coin toss, no issues. We did notice when we did look up in the stands, uh, very little 
compliance with health department and CDC guidelines about uh, mask and social distancing. Uh, there's been some more uh, encouraging encouragement coming out from the state and from the health department uh, about that down here, but I don't think anybody's going to make any sort of definitive decision as to not allow fans that they, if anything, they're going to reduce the potential stadium capacity uh, and go that route. But um, unfortunately though, we're because of the quarantine type of standards, uh, we had one of our schools had to cancel their game this coming Friday night. So now I've got a crew sitting at home. Um, and uh, that's continuing to happen throughout the state. So uh, we're, we're just hoping we can continue to play and we hope the kids can stay safe uh, as well as the coaching staff and everything else. But it's um, – it's a little bit of a downer for that for for we have a probably a dozen schools in the state that are having to forfeit games and cancel right now well we appreciate the update we do have another caller let's uh let's get the caller online to 563 area code go ahead you're on the air tell me your name where are you from hey george oh i said hi george so what what Okay. Okay, well, th thanks for the call. I'm going to have Robert look up the definition of a holder. He's got the rule book right there because I want to read the definition of a holder because that's, you know, you're right. They're allowed to do that and they can squat down in the catcher's position. And the exception, uh, with that, like you said, that allows them to put the knee down without the ball being uh, dead is if they're in the holder position. If they're in the position to receive a snap, and act as a holder, then yeah, they have, that, they have that exception that they can keep their knee down and they can rise up and, and put the ball back down. Um, the, the thing that, I don't know if I agree if they rise up in the squat position because if a person is in position to hold the ball, I don't think they're required to, have, to, to be defined as a holder to have an, a knee on the ground. So like I said, I'd like to, to see if it says as the definition of a holder that they have to have their, their knee on the ground. Um, but that's where I would, would only have the issue is potentially because 
if he's squatted down and he gets the protection because he's holding the ball to be kicked, he's not technically down because he doesn't have the knee down. So um, Robert's looking at uh, Mike has it. Mike, Mike has it. We'll go to Mike. Thanks, Mike. You, you, you've got it. Go ahead, Mike. Sure. So we're, we're in two different parts in the rule book here. So in rule two under player definitions, a holder is just the player who controls the ball on the ground or on a kicking team. So it, it says nothing at that point about the knee. As far as with the knee, that's in the whether the player is down and the ball is dead or not. And in order for the holder rule with the knee on the ground being able to stay live, he has to have his knee on the ground at the snap. So he can't be in a crouch position with his knees off and then put his knee down. So in Quad Cities, they are correct by rule that if he doesn't have his knee down at the snap and then he subsequently puts his knee down, he's, he's, he's down by rule and the play should be ruled dead. But as far as protection granted to the holder, um, he should be granted protection because he controls the ball on the ground. As far as having to rise up to do anything, that I would, I would agree. I think philosophically, I think we maybe should require it, but we should imagine here that the coaches may want to talk to us before the game and let us know that, hey, we want to be able to do the shovel pass from the holder, so we're going to have his knees off the ground so that we can discuss what our philosophy is going to be on the play. So it's a good idea to scout these teams and know so we can tell the coach, don't expect us to, uh, to let your player get away with that trick play if, if they're going to basically skirt the rule book. Yeah, but I'm glad you, you read it because I, I was pretty positive that the player is defined as a holder if he's in a position to hold the ball, nothing having to do with the knee on the ground. The knee had to do with whether the player is down or not. And I, I, I think that if he's squatted, they, that's why they're doing it. And I've told coaches before, if they want to do that shovel pass, the player better not have the knee on the ground. And I don't necessarily think that that, my personal opinion, that's not illegal. They can do it. There's not, I mean, it's a, it's a trickery. Yeah, but it's what it was within the rules. And now if he shovels the ball forward, he has a different status. Then if he now, if he's not putting that ball on the ground, if he's doing something different with the ball, his status is now changed from a holder to maybe a passer or a runner. So that's a, that's where that you know those protections may switch. But if he just if he squatted down, he takes the ball and puts it down on the ground, he's still a holder and he still gets those protections. If he shovels it forward, if he does, if if he picks up and runs with the ball, now he's a runner or now he's a passer. So now we gotta we gotta switch our we switch our protections. So Robert's got his hand up, and then we got another caller. So we'll go to the other caller. But go ahead, Robert. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Mike, for uh, doing your research. I, I noticed the two rules you you reference from the rule book. Did Mike reference the scrimmage kick formation rule from the rule book? That's what I was keen in on. In Article 2, with the scrimmage kick formation, uh, Article A, it says a player is in position with a knee on the ground seven yards or more behind the line of scrimmage. And that, that's the scrimmage kick formation to allow that holder the protection. So if we're talking about protection for the holder, by being a holder, you must have your knee on the ground. Okay, so if you don't have your knee on the ground, by definition, you're not the holder. And therefore, why are we giving him protection, right? No, so, no not by definition. The definition of a holder is different. You're no, saying, you're saying a scrimmage kick formation. Sure. But, but a holder is a holder. It doesn't necessarily mean that the holder has to be in a scrimmage kick formation. No, but my point there is, and to, to add value to the discussion, in a scrimmage kick formation, if we're defining a scrimmage kick formation, then that player, to be defined a holder, must have their knee on the ground. So in, in, this, in the formation, but that doesn't define the player. 
See, the, the players define differently. I understand okay. what you're saying, okay, but the so, players define but, differently. Okay, so where do you have a holder in anything other than a scrimmage kick formation? Well, if, what, if they, what if they wanted to kick the ball at two yards? They, they're allowed to do that. There's no one in the rule that says, if I'm the holder and I, I don't have my knee on the ground, but I put, put the ball down and I want to kick it two yards, I'm not in a scrimmage kick formation, but I am kicking the ball. Same with a punter. Sure. A punter who is, yeah. who is 10 yards back, he gets a scrimmage kick formation. But if he's only two yards back, he's still protected as a punter, even though he's not in a scrimmage kick formation. So I just, that's where, I can understand well, your point. It's just well, the contradiction in the rule. I don't, I, I don't agree. I well, think that's why, with, what, is, what is it defined? Where is it this, defined as a holder? This is where, this is where it gets a little more dis discussion. Because you, you brought in, you know, with the punter. The punter is actually the kicker, but he's not a kicker until he kicks. So he's not awarded any protection until he's a kicker. So if he's only two yards behind the snapper, we're not giving him any protection unless he's kicked, because then he's a kicker, but he's just a player. So I guess that's where it gets into more deeper discussion. Right. I just I think it's defined what a holder is. It's by definition, and then a scrimmage formation is defined separately. Since Mike read the rule, well, Mike has a yeah, I know. Since Mike read it, we'll go to Mike. Mike, what's your thought? I just want to point out that if you look in Rule Nine Four, you'll see all of those roughing fouls and all the other fifteens. And Article 5 talks about roughing the kicker and the holder, and they, they specifically separate roughing the snapper into its own category in Article 6. And only Article 6 mentions scrimmage kick formation. Article 5, with the kicker and the holder, doesn't mention scrimmage kick formation. So all you have to do is be a holder by putting the ball on the ground as, as per the definition of Rule 2, or a kicker, just as Robert described, um, to get the protection of the uh, of the roughing the holder rule yeah so, i agree roughing. i agree with you mike that's because i think it's defined differently and i think one defines a scrimmage shape formation based with a holder and the holder has their own definition but anyway this is my, but, i know robert you go go ahead robert okay but but tim let's let's what why is he defined as a holder unless he's holding right okay so I, I guess that's where we have to get in the definition discussion, Tim, is regarding to that. Just like a kicker, he's a player until he kicks, then he's a kicker, uh, and, or he's a runner until he, he actually kicks, and then he's a kicker. A holder would have to hold to be a holder. <laughs> right, but he can hold anywhere. Yes, yes, agreed. But if he's standing up, if he's in an upright position like George from the Quad Cities described it to begin this discussion, right, he's not, he does not have a knee down, and how do you define him as a holder? By if he puts the ball in position okay. to hold. If he does that. And he can do the, it anywhere in the field. He can sure. do it at seven, two, one, it doesn't matter. Sure, but if he doesn't put the ball, if he doesn't hold the ball, right, then he's not a down on the ground, then he's not a holder, I he's could, a runner. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I, that's what I just said. I said that once he does something else with the ball other than hold it, he he's now goes into a different category. He's either a passer or a runner. If he puts the ball down, He's a holder. Doesn't I mean that's where well, the, that, that's, that's where, where I'm agreeing with you then. Okay. I'm agreeing with you. Once he holds the ball down, right. he's a holder. Yes. But George was explaining where the ball this player gets the ball and he's upright. And does he award protection? Because why? No, is I he thought, holding yet? He's the, not holding the yet. The way I understood it was is that he if he's got the he doesn't if he's squatted down, he may not get the protection as the holder just because he's squatting, he doesn't have a knee on the ground. That's where our, okay, he still so, gets the, that protection. But you're right. Once he does something else with the ball other than hold it, he's not a holder 
anymore. Amen. Okay. Amen. So, right. I'm in agreement with you, right. and thank you for the discussion. That's what MIBT is all about. It's rich. It's August. We don't have football. <laughs> what the hell? Let's talk about a holder. All right. All right. So uh, well, thanks for the call from the Quad Cities. We're going to go to our uh, we're going to go to our next call here. We actually do have another call. Wow, we're going in overtime tonight. Um, all right, from the uh, 907 area code, go ahead. Uh, tell me your name, where you're from. Hey, Brian. Well, right, and, and that would be if you were. It's nice if we could get it clarified because sometimes you know sometimes rules don't aren't as clear as we want them to be. But I agree in in terms of that's why Robert and I were discussing that one rule dis describes or defines what a scrimmage kick formation is for that very purpose, whether it's for the protections or it's for the um, like the protection of the snapper or it's for the numbering exception rule or whatever it might be. That's where why we need to define what a scrimmage kick formation is. But I think we also have those player designations, which then gives it a different. I don't want to say they're contradicting one another, but they have their own merit. Would you agree with that? Brian, that, that's a great point because I talked about this, and, and maybe this is something that I think should be, be brought up too, and I pointed this out last year, that based off of the scrimmage kick numbering exception, now we're really getting in the woods here, but that's okay, we're, we're, this is free time. Based off of the numbering exception rule, it says downs one through three, you can only have the center be a, a numbering exception, and then fourth down or a, a try, it can be as long as you, you can have any numbers in there for the numbering exception, as long as you are complying with the you know seven on seven on the line. I brought up this scenario. What happens at the end of the game when it's second down and there's only five seconds left and they run out their 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 field goal unit? Now most of the time those guys are big guys, so it's not going to matter. But what if they had their tight end out there as a, a tackle? and their center, their long snapper was 42, and you had 89 in a tackle position, technically by rule on that third down game winning or that second down game winning field goal, that is a, a numbering exception violation. And that would be a penalty. Now, is anybody gonna call that? I hope not. But by rule, you can't do that on first, second, or third down. Now, to your point about the, the holder, that goes to Robert's point, which if it's not defined as a scrimmage kick formation, then you're right. They can't use the numbering exception. So I commend you if, if I would agree to try to clean this up. I guess that's what, what, why you've made that proposal.
So, well, Brian, thanks for that. That really helped out. I, I appreciate you, you chiming in again. You know, maybe I, I think you're going to win next week. Something tells me Brian's going to win a shirt next week. I don't know because he's he's two weeks in a row on the caller. So, Brian, thanks thanks for being with us. We're gonna wrap things up here but before we do i'm going to run over to robert because robert's got his hand in the air he's going oh, oh, oh i got something to say go ahead robert yeah I, I have two two strong viewers and i just want to compliment uh, larry newberry for reminding us you know we have a holder on a free kick situations too when the wind's blowing we've got to put a holder so thank you larry for reminding us of that important point and and then also another viewer howie hughes said hey let's go to bill hey bill if bill's still with us if he has any value to add to this discussion, that would be well-received. Bill Lamagne, people want to hear from you. Well, you heard all this banter back and forth. What do you got? <laughs> you know, it, it, in my career, uh, whether it was high school, college, or any of that stuff there, um, I I don't know if we've ever spent 30 seconds talking about holders. <laughs> you know, but... Um, I would do everything my power if they're looking like a holder, acting like a holder, anything else, make them a holder and give them the protection. Uh, and again, the, the thing about the free kicks when you have a holder because of the wind blowing, uh, I, if anybody ever had a roughing the holder or running into the holder on a free kick, uh, <laughs> let me know about it. I'd like to like to see that video. Uh, but um I I do everything in my power to make those plays legal. And that last one you put up about, you know, last play in the game, but it's first down versus uh, second down versus fourth down. Um, that's not what the intent of the rules for. So uh, if they if they run out and numbering exceptions, leave it alone. That like you said though, the odds are you know they use numbering exceptions for a snapper. They'll use numbering exceptions for other people on punt plays. But particularly on field goals, you're putting your horses in there. You want the big boys. You want to clog it up. You don't want the defense coming through. So it's generally not an issue. Yet. Right. <laughs> it's generally not. So so this is what we're doing at the end, guys. With these phone lines, this is great. It's been a lot of fun. We're, we're just going to have the banter back and forth, the discussion. That's what it is. That's we're here for you. That's what we're doing. That's why we added this. This added this feature. So we just had a lot of great discussion about uh, you know this rule, and maybe you know we'll have a presentation on it at some point. But having that discussion and breaking it down, I think we all learned something tonight. So please continue to to uh, join us on the live meetings and and do this interaction because I think we're going to continue to get a lot out of it. If you're watching this on the archive, then maybe you might make some time to come and join us. And, uh, you know, just so you can participate in this open discussion. So uh, that's uh, one of the value points we add here at MIBTOnline.com. So I thank everybody for being a member. So we're going to call it a night, but we'll be back next Wednesday right here. So let's run around the panel real quick and we'll see who pops up first. Let's see. It's probably going to be Bill. Bill, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it very much. Not a problem. After a two-hour ESPN meeting and now this one, I think I need a beer, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Miller time. It's Miller time. All right. Well, Bill, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see who go. I'm just letting Alex throw him up. There, there's Stan. Hey, Stan. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, Have a great night. Yeah, it was fun, Tim. Uh, by the way, back to the original play of the week about the substitution. <laughs> Uh, as the referee, uh, what I would do if we were sticking with the flag, I would call that a disconcerting act, give the chop block signal with loss of down, and really screw the PA announcer up. <laughs>
There you go. And then and then you better get the cops to escort you to the parking lot at the end of the game. But that's okay. We, we That's why they're there. So thanks, Dan, for being here. Stay safe, work, and continue to wear your mask or do whatever you do. Good luck with okay. all of that. And finally, uh, out there in the chat land or in the uh, virtual land, Mike Billica. Mike, you're the you're the guy, man. You had it ready to go. You're always we always count on you. Thank you very much. Yeah, this thing's going to be dog-eared by the time we have a season. I'm cover <laughs> everything by the time we get to actual football. So real quick though, I'm going to grab I'm going to grab mine here real quick. So I don't know if you can see it, but I'm going to kind of go. So there's they got players on the front of that and. Uh, do you know the first draft of that cover came out with the knees not covered on that book? They yes. had to go back and they had to go back and fix it because it's like, wait a minute, they're showing on the rule book in a legal uniform. And the, so, <laughs> anyway, so that was pretty. That was pretty. So, Mike, thanks again for being here. Robert, over here. Robert is just man. Thanks for man and being all on it. This is great. I appreciate it, Robert. Oh, thank you, viewers. My gosh, the uh, text box lit up like a Christmas tree. A lot of discussion with the call-in uh, points, and uh, we, we love to hear what's on your mind. And look how it just swelled into a great discussion. We got deep into the rule book and uh, had a little banter, which is excellent. That's how we grow. Harden the steel, as they say. So thank you, viewers, for all your contributions. Exactly. And then, of course, Alex, who's been driving the whole time, he kept us on the road. We were, we swerved, we swerved or swerved or whatever, worved, whatever it was a little bit, but Rod, thanks for being here, Alex. Oh yeah, you got to no turn problem. your mic Thank on. you for everyone. You got to turn your mic on. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, for MIBT Online, we're back next week. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, you know, continue. Don't forget about the apparel. Go buy some apparel. You can wear these shirts out to your games and let everybody know you're MIBT Online. You're one of us. So thank you for being here. We'll be back next week. I'm Tim Key from MIBTOnline.com. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening to the MIBTOnline.com podcast. Join today at MIBTOnline.com. We'll catch you next time.